0: Welcome to the Paranormal Pendle Podcast, coming to you from the heart of Pendle Witch Country in the northwest of England. My name is Craig Bryant, author, investigator, and collector of stories. Join me as we take a journey into the paranormal, UFO sightings, cryptozoology, and big cats. This is the Paranormal Pendle Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode six of Paranormal Pendle, broadcasting to the Paranormal UK Radio Network at paukradio.com. My guest on this episode is Paranormal Investigator Michaela Cook. So hi Michaela, thanks for agreeing to chat to me today. Um, Hello. Hello, can we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself please?
1: Yes Craig, thank you for having me on the show, I'm very excited um, so, well, gosh, it all started a long time ago, back in the north of England. I'm from the other side of the Pennines to you, Boo. Halifax, <laughs> um, which is a, a tiny little um, woolen town. Um, there isn't much going on there. Uh, so I decided that yeah, I'd make it my job to try and get out of there. So my first ploy was to um, go to art college in Leeds. Um, which was great, but um, after studying design for four years, I realised I wasn't actually that good at it. So I got a job as a postwoman, and while I was a postwoman, temporary postwoman walking the streets of Halifax, I came up with this idea that the thing that I wanted to do most in my entire life was to be an actress. Now, this was in the very, very early 90s, And um, I didn't know anybody who did acting. I didn't know how to do it. So I can remember um, I decided to go right to the top and I rang up Rada and said, hello, (laughs) I'm interested in being an actress? What do I need to do? And they were quite sniffy with me, but basically told me that um, unless I went to drama school, nobody was going to look at me. So that's what I did. Uh, I went to a fantastic drama school which is part of the University of Leeds, called Bretton Hall College, which is no longer a college anymore. And um, what I did there was a degree in um, theatre acting, brackets, broadcast media. So that was really good fun. And then I decided I was going to, moved to London to seek fame and fortune but I was a bit too scared to move to actual London so I had a friend who lived in Marlow in Buckinghamshire and I moved in and shared a room with him there and from there I joined a theatre group called White Horse Theatre and if you know the League of Gentlemen you might know that they did the White Horse Theatre tour. It's a 10-month intensive tour where you tour around hundreds of German schools and German towns and funnily enough they'd also gone to my drama school Bretton Hall uh, where I did meet them one day actually. So after our um, adventures at White Horse Theatre I met my husband on the tour. We fell in love, moved to London, actual London this time, <laughs> tried to be um tried to be aspiring actors uh, failed miserably he ended up being um i think he was a, a sort of a quick drop off parcel driver and i ended up working for a shop called the white company which was great but it meant that i could only do auditions on my actual days off so we did it all wrong um both became very disillusioned gave up and he retrained to be a, a barrister and I retrained to be a teacher, primary school teacher. Um, and that was going to be my temporary job. 17 years later, I am still a primary school teacher, <laughs> um, have two kids and moved to Chichester.
0: So you mentioned that you'd had several paranormal experiences as a child uh, and one in particular being pivotal. Could you tell us about those, please?
1: Yes, I can. The very, very first one uh, has only come back to me recently, actually, and it's a very short one. And then I'll tell you the, the main one afterwards. So when I was about three or four years old, my mum and my um, birth father had got divorced and my mum had moved with me back to my nana and granddad's house. And I remember um, it was on the day, I think we've talked about um, coal fires being um, taken out and gas fires put in when I um, spoke to you before. And it was on the day that we had our old coal fire taken out and the gas fire was put in. So it was a big day in our house. It was all very exciting. Um, And I'd been bundled off to bed And my nana and my granddad and my mum were all in the living room enjoying the benefits of this glorious new um, gas fire. And what happened was I went to the top of the stairs Um, after this experience. um, My mum quickly got a a child gate for my bedroom, but I didn't have a child gate. And I remember going to the top of the stairs and... Uh, some some entity came this this bit's a bit fuzzy about what what the entity was but there was some sort of I don't know if I want to call it some sort of angel or something like that that came and I jumped off the top step of the um stairs and it's just a regular sort of four 13 or 14 steps and this entity all I can say is flew me down the stairs and I can remember very specifically getting to the bottom of the stairs and landing on my bare feet very gently. And then it just disappeared off. And I went up to the living room door, knocked on the door, and my, which was a bit silly, really, because it was the house I was living in. Um, my mum opened the door in shock and said, what on earth are you doing out of bed? And I said, a fairy just flew me down the stairs, mummy. Wow. And of course, of course, she didn't believe me. And it sounds really incredible. The only thing I would say was it's so vivid, the feeling of flying down the stairs. And for years and years and years after, I used to have dreams about flying um, where I was desperate to fly. It was almost like um, an intrinsic need to be able to fly. And I used to try it all the time in the playground and sort of run and try and jump and fly it was the most bizarre experience but
0: so was so this did this only happen once or or
1: that yes only once yeah
0: and and you never saw this entity at any other Again, time
1: no no and um although it was interesting I once went to see um I I didn't know this for years and years but my mum used to go to a medium with her friend um, and I once went when I was much older, when I was in my mid twenties and I'd found out that my mum used to go and said, Oh, who is this person? And when I went to see her, she said that I had, um, very strong guardian angel, apparently, um, which was really, really bright. Um, and I also had a spirit guide who was a relation to me who, um, was in a photograph that I had put away in a drawer face down. And I knew exactly which photograph it was. But she said, if I ever needed any help, that I should take out this photograph and speak to this lady in the photograph. And it turned out to be my great grandmother. Um, And I still have the picture up in my living room now. Um, So I don't know maybe whether it was her that had come. Um, It's... it's something that I really believe in, although I am aware that when I'm saying it out loud, it sounds fantastical, but um, it sort of makes sense to be in my head, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So was there any sort of history of um, other paranormal activity in the house, or do you know of any history of the house that, that could possibly have caused this?
1: No, not at that house at all. Yeah. Um, Now, when I moved to my next house, um, when I was about seven or eight, my mum met my stepdad and they got married and we moved um, across the town. And this particular area was really rich in lots of ghost stories. And this is where I had my most, my pivotal moment, as I like to call it. And what happened there was it was a tiny little... um, school that I was at I was in I think it would be the equivalent of um, year three juniors uh, so about eight years old and we used to play out in the playground and if you picture a sort of rural school um, and to the left-hand side there was a playing field and then beyond that again there were three more fields and The third field over, it was a really, really long field that went up the hillside and there was a derelict set of cottages there. There were three cottages and um, sometimes we used to go and play around the cottages and, and say that they were haunted. And this myth grew up within our tiny little village school that there were what we called zombies that used to live in the derelict house. And it was just one of those sorts of urban myths that children make up. Uh, However, this one particular day, we were out in the playground. I remember it was a windy day and somebody shouted out, um, zombies, zombies, I can see the zombies. So we looked over um, and in the third field over, there were these three figures with... um, sort of like monks robes on they were hooded figures and they had staffs with them and they were herding the cows up the hill but the cows were only walking very slowly the cows weren't afraid but they obviously could either see or sense these um zombies we called them but I think for lack of lack of knowing what they were um, but they weren't afraid with were the cows, so they were walking slowly up the hill and these figures were following. So we all got very, very excited. There must have been 20 of us that saw them at the same time. And we got very excited and we called over the, um, the dinner lady. They used to be called in those days. They're called midday meal supervisors now. But uh, the, the dinner lady came over and I can remember saying, Miss, Miss can you see the zombies and she said where are you looking and I pointed and went there look those people with the black hoods and she couldn't see them and the more that we were insistent and shrieking and pointing the more she couldn't see them and the more sort of freaked out she was obviously getting and I said to her Miss, can I go over the sports field and go and look from the other wall because I was desperate to go and see them closer. And she said, no, no, no. Um, And she blew the whistle and play was ended early and we all had to troop back into our classroom and... Luckily, I was in a classroom. It was a temporary classroom, a chalet, we used to call them, at the back of the school. So when my class was being frog-marched back to the classroom, I could still see these entities walking up the hill. And I was desperate. I was so desperate to go and see them, but I was more scared of authority. And um, we got bundled into our classroom, and I couldn't see them from the classroom. So that's, that's the first part of the story. And as far as I was concerned, that, that was it. Um, I didn't see them again. I then began to be interested in the paranormal and the supernatural and ghosts and things like that. And it wasn't until years later, I was talking to a friend of mine and her friend, lived directly behind my school there used to be this sort of farm shop and um, the man who lived there with his children was quite an entrepreneur um, and he'd built some apartments at the edge of his farm shop and his teenage children were allowed to live in these apartments and so one day my friend Diane said oh let's go and visit um, Alex and so we went And I walked into her little apartment and her kitchen, kitchenette window overlooked the field where I'd had this experience. And I picked up a ghost book that she had on her. Um, shelf and said oh are you interested in ghosts and she said oh yes Um, my dad's always um, encouraged me not to lose my childhood abilities that I had when I could always see ghosts so of course we got talking about ghosts and I said well you'll never believe what happened to me when I was at um, the school uh, we had this experience out in this field here outside your window um, and we saw the three ho- hooded figures walking up the field, herding the cows. And she turned round to me, absolutely deadpan, and said, "Oh yes, I see them all the time." No. Yes.
0: Really, that is that is amazing. Yes. Isn't it? That's really amazing, actually.
1: Yeah, and she uh, not only did it feel like it corroborated my story from many years before. Yeah, of course. But she said that she, she saw them quite often, sort of wandering up and down the field. Uh, but when I've looked into it, there isn't any sort of burial ground or anything around there. But um, apparently, these things are called something called the Genii cuculati. Okay. And they are um, spirits of the earth. They um, look after apparently. They are guardians of children and guardians of the land and the earth. Uh, and they uh, it's something to do with fertility in uh, pagan times.
0: Well, that's interesting because you said that only yourself and your school friends could see them. So that, I suppose, would tie in with that. I was going yeah. to ask you if if there was any um, Abbey or anything like that that had been in the area because they sounded from your description, I mean, you, you said they looked like monks because they had hoods up or cowls. Um, yeah. But obviously they're not linked to a, a religious order in that respect then either. There's something that's much, much older.
1: Exactly, because I, I did look into it and I even managed to get um, access on the internet to some old ge- uh, geo geographical maps of the yeah. area and there was literally nothing, no... Burial sites, or monasteries, or anything. So that I think that must be what they were. But it just it started off this chain of um, of interest uh, that I've had ever since.
0: So when we swapped emails and and we we chatted about what you were going to talk about, you mentioned that you're very keen to write a book on um, stories that you've collected from. Uh, from your family and from friends. Yeah. I'm just wondering, are there any which particularly stand out? Any any really interesting stories? Any particularly frightening stories that you've come across?
1: Um, there are a couple. There's one very curious story, which actually my um, current teaching assistant at school told me. This is what I love about um, about the paranormal. You can just take the most... What The person who seems to be the most ordinary um, person and say, have you ever had any experiences? And they go, oh, yes. Well, there was this time when this happened or or my grandma had this or whatever. And they just come out. So my teaching assistant said that her mum and I realise this is kind of two people away. But uh, she said that things kept going missing in her mum's house. And, um, you know, in the sort of way that you you miss odd socks and things like that, mm. things are misplaced around the house. You think you've put something somewhere, then it disappears and then it appears to come back again. Well, her mum said that one day she was in her bedroom and she turned around, and what she could only describe as um, a tiny little brown man of about two feet high if you think of a sort of a wood sprite with she said really brown leathery skin was in the middle of reaching down towards something on the floor of hers she saw it and it clocked her seeing it and she said that it kind of whipped back into almost like a tear in in the dimension yeah and it kind of whipped back into this slit that it had come out of and kind of pulled it together and then it was just normal reality again
0: yeah that's interesting because um about 12 months ago i did an interview for paranormal uk radio and one of the ladies that i was speaking to who interviewed me actually told me a story which was almost word for word, exactly the same as what you've just said. And this was happening in her house. Um, she lives somewhere in the centre of Wales um, in a very remote area. Uh, oh but my goodness. She described exactly the same, right down to the sort of very brown leathery looking skin of this little man who was, you know, maybe about two foot tall. Uh, yeah who sort of appeared in her house and she, she called him a a Sprite or a wood, you know, a wood Sprite.
1: I've heard of a few people who've seen things like that, actually. Um, And it's, I just find it absolutely fascinating. Mind boggling as well, because my mind can't quite believe that that's, that that could be true.
0: I understand where you're coming from with that because it does sound quite fantastical doesn't it um it does, yeah
1: um i have had i've got a couple of other ones which my yeah. um my own children have had actually okay and th- those are they're not prone to um i've tried to keep the paranormal away from my children as in um i don't want to scare them um and i don't want to sort of freak them out and my husband really doesn't believe in any of this at all um so what I've done is I've I've tried to keep it separate so when my youngest son um came out with this story I was really surprised actually so he had um an elephant toy like a cuddly elephant and um it was his grannies so my husband's mums and he'd brought it from her house to our house because he liked it and when he was about six or seven years old he suddenly um, wouldn't have any toys in his bedroom at all just absolutely um, said I don't want them in my bedroom but he wouldn't tell me why and it only uh, transpired a year or so ago that what he said had happened was that he had been laid in his bed. Uh, he hadn't moved. The elephant toy was between him and the wall. I turn, He said he turned around um, and looked at the elephant toy. And then he turned the other way, just his head, not his body, and looked back again. And the elephant toy had moved to the opposite way, with its head turning the opposite way. Now, I've quizzed him several times about this and he swears that there's no way that this toy could have moved. I mean, obviously he's a child, but it it freaked him out so much that he's never had a cuddly toy in his bedroom ever since. Um, so I've got a couple of other stories that, that he's told me Mm -hmm. now, if we, if we go back to the medium that I went to see when I was, um, in my twenties, she said to me at the time that, um, if I wanted, when I was older, I could have similar abilities to her, but it depended whether I embraced it or not. Now, I'm, I'm too scared to go down that route, so I'm probably a, a lot more closed off than I should be. But the thing she did say to me was that my eldest son would have similar abilities. But the funny thing is that it's actually my youngest son that seems to have all these things happen to him. So I don't know if she just got that wrong there. But um, the thing, the other thing he saw, which is the most memorable, is um, his granny and grandpa on my husband's side moved down to Chichester to live near us. And they bought this, um, it's about a 120 year old Flint house, it's beautiful house. And they decided to, Um, knock out the whole of the um, kitchen and dining room and have it all one kitchen diner and the man who'd lived there before um, had passed away and then they'd bought this house and my son uh, in the middle of all the building works had popped in to go to the toilet and he came out and said mummy who's that man in the kitchen?" And we were all sat in the garden and we looked at him and went, what man? And he said, there's a man in the kitchen. He just walked through, but he ignored me and he didn't speak to me. So we all went charging into the kitchen. Of course, there was nobody there. And when he described what this man looked like, it sounded like the man who'd passed away before granny and grandpa had bought the house.
0: So had anybody seen him other than your son? No. So it sounds like your son has got that sort of ability to tune into, uh, you know, whatever's going on around. That's that's really interesting, that. Yeah. Do you have any other
1: stories? Um, yeah, so my eldest son came out with one only a few weeks ago, actually, which really shocked me because my my eldest son, he's 14, and he's very much of a similar opinion to my husband, um, he doesn't believe in it. But more than that, um, he he doesn't want anything to do with it because he finds it too scary. He doesn't like watching scary films or anything, just doesn't want anything to do with it. So this really surprised me. A few weeks ago, we were just all sat in the lounge watching TV. I saw his head whip round towards me. I was sat on the sofa and he was sat on a chair near the television then he, he looked at something and then looked back at me and then carried on watching the TV. And when we'd finished watching our programme, really matter-of-factly, he said, Mum, I think I just saw a shadow man in the living room. And I said, what's he talking about? He said, well, I, I turned round while I was watching the television and this black shadow figure walked out of the wall behind you through the sofa across to me and then behind me in my chair and then disappeared.
0: Wow. How did he feel about that then? Did it, did it scare him?
1: No, he wasn't bothered at all, which I find incredible. He was very matter of fact about it. Um, but the, it sort of follows on from an experience we had two years ago. Um, Although my eldest is not into scary things, he does love Halloween, as most children do. And my youngest son, he's 12, and he's obsessed with Halloween. He's definitely following in my footsteps, um, enjoying things to do with the paranormal, even though I've tried not to encourage it, but he loves it. So we'd been out trick-or-treating, Um, in the times when he could go out and be with other people, and they were dressed in their costumes, and we'd had a lovely time. And we used to go, we live on a big kind of modern estate, and um, all the kids, when they were a bit younger, used to meet up and we'd all troop around together with all the parents and the kids. It was like something off an American TV show, it was fabulous, and um, so we'd. Um, we'd watch something on the TV, the Halloween festivities were over. So I said to my husband, oh, will you watch a horror film with me? And he doesn't really like doing it, but he said, oh, okay, because it's Halloween. So we, um, I popped to the local shop to get a bottle of wine, as you do on Halloween. And um, on the way back, I saw a shadow figure and it was the most bizarre thing that I've ever seen there's like a, a how a few houses down from my house there's a house that's got a, a big wooden panel fence if you know what I mean yeah, um, yeah. so if you if you shone um, a screen on it you could probably you know watch a film it's so it's really flat and, and tall um, and as I walked past it shadow walked across the panel fence and it was like a, a hunched over troll ah. and it um, and it took several steps and then disappeared down the fence and I was so shocked I didn't know what to do I just thought well, oh my goodness did I really see that Have I just imagined that so I went home I was a bit freaked out. I told my husband. He told me it was a load of rubbish. Um, And so we settled down to watch this Halloween film. And while we were sat watching the Halloween film, I think after the wine and all the Halloween night, we were a bit tired and we were sort of half dozing off through this film. And all of a sudden came these three big knocks on the door. Knock, knock, knock. But... I thought it was because I was half asleep. It was that, you know, that kind of echoey knock that they do on horror films. It was like, boom, boom, boom. And I jumped off the sofa. He woke up and I said, what the heck is that? Who's who's coming to the door at this time of night? Looked at the clock. No word of a lie. It was 12 midnight. So I ran to the door, opened the door, Nobody there. So I go outside, hello, hello, nobody there. So I thought, oh, it's kids, teenagers messing about now. So I went to the end of the, we've got a really short little drive in front of our house, looked up and down the street, absolutely deserted. When I came back in the house, these footsteps, like thundering footsteps, went down our landing, what sounded like from my youngest son's Uh, bedroom down the landing and into the bathroom boom 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 so i thought oh my god when i've gone out to look down the drive somebody sneaked in and is upstairs with my children so i tore up the stairs um and the children were both asleep nobody there um and i've never been able to explain that And all those weird, scary things all happened within one Halloween night.
0: I was just about to say, perhaps it's not a good idea to watch horror movies on a (laughs) a Halloween night. But you mentioned that it's um, a new housing estate. Do you have any idea what was on the, the land before?
1: Now, it's funny you should mention this because there's a woman that I got talking to during the, uh, do you remember the Thursday claps for the NHS? Yeah. That everyone used to do. Well, it was really good in that um, that we all sort of got talking to our neighbours when we used to go out into the street. And one of the ladies, a few doors down, said that she uh, was one of the first inhabitants of this estate when it was built. Um, and it used to be, Uh, a sort of um, I don't know what you'd call it really um, a country estate I guess beforehand so it was all just land and apparently there was a a manor house somewhere which mustn't exist anymore and it was all a country estate Um, but I don't know anything else that's all I know but it would be very interesting to find out
0: Do you think they might have um, carried out hunting on the estate then
1: Maybe, yeah.
0: Because that, what you described, could be um, horse's hooves, maybe. Who knows?
1: Maybe. Maybe. But it's funny because we've had a lot of experiences in this house and it's certainly not an old house. Mm. Um, I've had all sorts of things happen in here, but nothing that's made me scared or worried, just things that, I accept happenings such as um a lot of vanishing objects. Um and I actually managed to <laughs> catch out the entity as it were. Because you know when things go missing and it at first you just think you're going mad.
0: Yeah. You
1: think, oh. did I put it there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I caught it out twice. Um, and I mean, I'm as mad as a hatter, I have to confess. Um, but I talk to myself in the house the whole time and I talk to whoever or whatever's here as well. And I I feel like it's a benign entity, um, but it, it, it messes with me sometimes, Craig, I have to say. And uh, this is actually amusing. Um, and I think sometimes when things happen in your own house, you've got to put a lighter touch on it, otherwise you'd just be scared or go mad, I think. Um, so there's two very significant happenings one i call slipper gate and one is space cloth gate (laughs) (laughs) you judge for yourself when you hear so slipper gate um i was in the house on my own one um school holiday which is a very rare thing because i'm always with children whether it's other people's children or my children but this one day I think the children were at granny's I had the afternoon to myself I thought oh I'll be a bit extravagant I'll go and have a shower in the middle of the day so um I got ready to go into the shower um took my slippers off in the bedroom trooped off had my shower um came back in to get my slippers and couldn't find my slippers. So I was like, oh, well, that's not unusual. I'm, you know, I'd forget my head if it was loose. So I sort of mooched back into the bathroom. No slippers there either. Oh, well, that's a bit weird. Because I definitely only just took them off before I went into the shower. So I, I walked. And, you know, like, <laughs> when you lose something like that, that you haven't really been taking notice of, uh, I don't know if you do this, but I tend to just walk backwards and forwards from the place where I thought I saw it last <laughs> to to other places, sort of randomly looking around, going, Well, I'm sure it was there. And so I just kept walking backwards and forwards between my bedroom to the bathroom, back to the bedroom, going, I know. And I, by this point, I'm talking out loud to thin air, going, I know they were there. I know those slippers were there. But uh, right, I'm going to go downstairs just to make sure I looked all around the house, no slippers. So I walked back into the bathroom, shouting out to thin air now, bring back my slippers. I know you've got them, sort of thing. I walked back to the bedroom, and they were in the doorway of my bedroom, side, side to side, perfectly positioned, facing forwards. And I just stopped dead and looked at them and went, you are joking me. Because I thought, logically, even if somehow I'd managed to walk over my slippers 10 times as I'd gone backwards and forwards, I would have kicked them out of the way somehow. Yeah. Or or something. So either they had disappeared and reappeared, or they'd somehow turned invisible. I, I I don't understand it, but I absolutely know that they weren't there. And then they appeared as if someone was messing with me. Going there, are you there. Are your slippers. There they are, Michaela.
0: Did that not freak you out?
1: No, no, it doesn't. Nothing like that freaks me out. I just find it
0: interesting.
1: mind boggling, yeah. and. A astounding and almost quite magical really thinking oh my goodness has that really happened but there is always a small part of your brain that thinks did I really just walk over them all that time but then something else happened not long after where I felt like I had irrefutable proof that it wasn't me so move on to face cloth And um, this is so small and so ridiculous, but I've got this theory that these things happen when you're not taking notice of the thing that goes missing, that it's kind of at the side of your mind. And therefore when it goes missing, you don't actually know whether it's just you or whether it has really gone missing. And I think that happens for a reason. Although, um, I'll tell you my theory afterwards. So what happened was, um, again, me and the bathroom, uh, I went into the bathroom and we usually keep um, a a clean or dry face cloth uh, folded up on the side of the sink in case somebody wants to use one. And I knew that I'd literally just put out a, a clean face cloth. So I went into the bathroom and went oh where's that face cloth gone that I've just put out so I looked around not many places a face cloth can be but the wash basket's right next to the sink so I thought oh maybe it fell off or something and so I looked around the wash basket I pulled out the wash basket no face cloth then starting to doubt myself I'm like what Maybe somehow it got into the wash basket. So take the lid off the wash basket, literally empty out the entire wash basket. No face cloth. So put it all back in, put the lid back on, put the basket next to the sink. Oh, my God, I'm really losing it this time. Turn round, go to the laundry cupboard in the bathroom, open the door, get out a clean face cloth, close the door, turn round, the face cloth is back on the sink. And I literally just went, I caught you. <laughs> I caught you. I caught you out. I know that face cloth wasn't there for an absolute fact. I've just turned round and I've turned back and it's there. I caught you. Uh, and do you know what? It has nothing's gone missing since.
0: It sounds like a very mischievous. Uh, playful, almost uh, entity, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I would say poltergeist activity, but not in a malicious way. It's it's more, as you said, it's a benign sort of playfulness, isn't it?
1: Yeah, uh,
0: sort of mischief making, really.
1: Yeah, That's but cool. I am wondering whether it is, you know, some. I want once... I don't know if you ever saw this. There was. Um... You know, it wasn't Tales of the Unexpected years ago. It's the Twilight Zone. Mm. I don't know if you ever saw there was a Twilight Zone where there was um, a little creature, like the one we were talking about earlier. Mm. Um, And it came out of a kind of mouse hole in the skirting board. And it it kind of... um, made this hole appear in the skirting board and it came out and it climbs up and there's a little boy asleep in bed Um, and it stands on his chest and it starts to suck out the breath from his body Um, and he gets saved by the dog his dog sees it and it jumps at it um, and and eats it basically (laughs) Um, and I always wondered you know is it something like that i mean i don't know about you but i've got um, a massive massive washing basket in my house with single odd socks in it (laughs) yes (laughs) there must be a hundred pairs a where do the other ones go and b if it is the washing machine that's eating them up down the back how does it know only to take one from each pair
0: it is a universal mystery, isn't it? Really, that you know yeah. what what happens to odd socks. My uh, my fourteen year old son's sock collection is made up purely of odd socks because <laughs> you know the ones that match always disappear. Us,
1: really- but how do they know? How do they know to take the one rather than the pair? It's weird. I think I think a- there is something going on there.
0: I think that's an entirely different discussion altogether, isn't it? The mystery of <laughs>
1: um,
0: that's actually really interesting. What the re- really interesting stories? What, what what you've just told there. Um, you mentioned in, in your email to me that you've you've joined a paranormal group, and um, is it is it called S- SPI?
1: That's right, SPI Sussex Paranormal Investigations. Yeah.
0: So can you tell me a bit about what what they get up to? Do you have any uh, investigations lined up?
1: Well, we don't. It's a bit of a a sad story, really, because um, when I moved down here, I I wasn't very clued up on um, things like paranormal groups. I didn't know, um, really, that things like that existed outside of the things I'd seen on television, Um, and when I one day I started just sort of twiddling around on the internet and I discovered that that these things actually existed and that that I could join one and I was so excited but unfortunately there there didn't seem to be much going on around this area at the time Um, however I found this um, SPI and I got um, in touch with the man who was running it, who, who was a man called Johan and his partner Jana and it was a very small group I think they were a sort of a fracture group from a bigger uh, group, I think they were called pigs or something um, and they'd they been uh, they'd sort of not agreed with the way they were doing investigations so this splinter group had sort of um started and there was only about four or five of us, but we used to go out once a month to local um, supposedly haunted places, Um, a lot of them outside, actually. We did one house investigation, um, but local forests. um, There's um, a really um, lovely old town on the south coast called Lewis. We did one there um, in the, the ruins of an old castle, um Arundel theatre um and there's a, a very very spooky woods um near Worthing called Clapham Woods which is meant to have a lot of um, paranormal activity and apparently UFO sightings so we went there um but unfortunately when um, it was literally I think just before Covid hit johan decided that he had too many things going on so he disbanded the group but said that um you know he was happy for me to carry on doing some bits if i wanted to carry on and then of course the pandemic happened so we haven't had chance to start up again although i know a couple of the members are still interested in going out but um I'd, i'd really like to get that started there's um the most haunted pub in Chichester, called the Chichester Inn, who I'd really um, I'd like to go and investigate there. So it's sort of uh, to to be arranged, shall we say?
0: Tell me about the inn because I, I I love haunted inns and pubs. Do you know any any
1: yeah.
0: stories around that?
1: Um, I don't know a lot because I think that the uh, the people who run it now are anxious not to play up the, uh, the haunted nature because when I tried to contact them, they, they were sort of, I think because they're trying to run a sort of b b concern, mm. they, they don't want to play up the, the haunted um, thing. But apparently there's meant to be a grey lady in the attic um, and occasionally if you're lucky you might see her. Um, she's been known to come down. Um, inside the pub, but that's that's all I know. Because when I've tried to find out from the actual people, they weren't really keen on talking about it. But um, they did say to me that maybe one winter, when they don't have any bookings, they might condescend to allowing us to come and have a poke around. So I'm fingers crossed with that.
0: Yeah, oh, that'll be interesting. Now then, tell me about your podcast.
1: Oh, my podcast. Well, um, it's called Paranormal or What Podcast, and I got the name idea from listening to... I was listening to another paranormal podcast, um, and I, I cannot remember what it was called. It was one that I, I've only listened to once, I think. Um, and when I discovered... I, I sound so naive about all this technical stuff, but it was about two years ago, and I discovered um podcasts and I've been absolutely hooked ever since can't get enough of them and um he'd said something like uh, oh is that paranormal or what and I thought oh that'd be a really good name for a podcast so I decided that because my creative outlet was not being fed i.e., um when I uh worked as an actress and gave it up to be a primary school teacher i sort of fed that craving by doing lots and lots of amateur dramatics um and i was in all sorts of amateur companies and we did all sorts of plays lots of shakespeare and of course over the last year that hasn't been happening so my creative itch needed to be scratched and i thought oh my goodness wouldn't it be amazing if i combined my love of the paranormal with wanting to create something and so that's why I started it and it's a place where I interview um, interesting people like yourself which is an interview that's coming up soon everybody Um, and tell stories um, just generally chat about the paranormal. I'd really like to start up a section um, called listeners theories where they might call in and tell me what their theories are about what ghosts are or things like that Um, and I really just started it up also to try and get to know like-minded people I really wanted to be a part of the the paranormal community and and get to know as many people as possible because you know when you're a teacher and your husband's not really interested in the paranormal where, where do you go for your paranormal fix so it's been great because I've started to get to know quite a few people who are interested in the same things as me and I get to to talk about it which is a double bonus (laughs)
0: well I listened to a couple of your your episodes and I I found them um, uh, a a damn sight more professional uh, than than my efforts so um, I I really enjoyed it actually so where where can people listen to, to your podcast
1: no, oh, well, thank you. That's very kind. It's all a learning curve for me at the moment. So I've got two ways that people can get in touch. My email address is paranormalorwhatpodcast@outlook.com And you can either email me your story or you could do a voice message on your mobile phone and email that to me. Or you can get in touch via Anchor, uh, the um, Anchor Podcasts app. You can also find it on your internet browser at anchor.fm forward slash paranormal or what podcast forward slash message. And I'm also on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook.
0: Now, I also believe that you're an aspiring author. Do you want to tell us a bit about that as well?
1: <laughs> um, well, my. Um, My to-do list is rather large, shall we say. My to-do list is longer than probably my life will be. But in an ideal world, I I love writing stories and I write stories all the time with the children in my class because in order to get them started on a story, um, I usually end up, um, it's called modelling in teacher language. You you write um, something similar to what you want them to write. Um, to show them how to do it and so I've written loads and loads of stories and I thought oh I'd really like to expand on some of these stories so one day um, probably when I'm retired at this rate I'd like to write um, some children's ghost books so I've got one story which is about a girl who finds UFOs in the garden shed um, and, and aliens and befriends the aliens and tries to help them uh, I've got another story about a girl with psychic powers who um, helps people by um, astrally projecting with her pet cat, uh, which sounds a bit odd, but um, that's another story. And then I'd like to do some short stories based on um, incredible stories of children like taking from my experiences as a child about a girl who could fly or um, has other powers to become invisible things like that so I've got lots and lots of ideas Um, it's just the doing of them and fitting them in that I find difficult I'm sure that you identify with that Craig
0: absolutely yeah there's never enough time to do everything that you want to Um, you've got some really brilliant stories there um and i think it will be a great shame if if you didn't get at least some of them down on print because um i've been absolutely glued to uh to what you've been telling us thank you very much for coming on um it's been a real pleasure to speak with you and um, all i can do is wish you the best of luck with your podcast and as i say it is really professional it's a lot more professional than my efforts Um, thank you (laughs) and also good good luck with your writing as well and the only thing i can say from personal experiences if if you can find the time to do it it is a really rewarding thing to do um you know i'm i'm very pleased with the book that i wrote um
1: it's a really good book i i have to say this to everybody listening as well i've read it from cover to cover and it's really really interesting and i really Admire the fact that you've actually got down and done it, so well done to you.
0: <laughs> well I think given you know the depth of stories that you've just told us, you should do it as well. So I will look forward to reading your book when when you've done it. Thank you, Michaela. take care. Thank you very much indeed for coming on, and it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you.
1: Thank you very much, thanks for having me on Craig. It's been fantastic, cheers.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please visit my website at www.craigbryant.co.uk. Paranormal Pendle will return, and remember to keep watching the shadows.